when it's a story that you care about, characters that you care about, or you know, whatever the subject matter is, whatever your creative project is, you really fall in love with it. I mean, I feel like I am in love. I am in love with this process. I'm thinking about it when I go to sleep at night. I'm excited to like get on my laptop every day. And, and I know I'm sounding like a broken record, but we need to do more things like this. Then you feel like you can kind of just confidently take that step and then start to have some fun with it and build this this masterpiece of sorts that uh, you can really be proud of. And I love how much you love the process. I can hear it in your voice anytime you, you talk about the work that's put in. You're proud of the final product, but if anything, like you're more proud of the, the beginning steps. So I'm guessing you've never sat in the, the emergency exit row. Those people are very brave. <laughs> Your and heroes. I, thank, I thank them for sitting there. <laughs> thank you for your service. Yeah. Salute them when they when, when they get off. They put no. anyone there though, like you know. Not everyone. <laughs> not well, anyone. Not, not you, not, but not like they're, they you don't they don't have to pass any kind of like physical or mental test. Hi, I'm Michelle, an entrepreneur and creative business coach. Hi, I'm Steve, and I'm a social media and digital content strategist. We're friends with a shared passion for creativity in all its forms. Through this podcast, you'll find ideas to help up your game and share experiences with a community of creatives who understand what it's like to work and create in a digital world. If the episode you're about to hear sparks something inside you, share your voice by connecting with us on social media at pod for creatives on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Hey. Hey, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. Very summery. Yeah. Yeah. You're a big yellow fan. I love yellow. Yeah. It's kind of a, I never, a newer thing, though. It's like a newer, so like it, it's like just coming into like. Yeah, I feel like it, the, its like, own. Yeah, like for the, you or like society wise? <laughs> Maybe for society. I meant for me. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. I feel like uh, I do not own much yellow. I actually have a yellow and white striped, vertically striped dress shirt. Well, mm-hmm. casual shirt. It's not really a dress shirt. And I want to like it. I bought it for a reason and I just can't. Every time I put it on in the morning as I'm getting ready for work, I had like I walk around with it, <laughs> brushing my teeth and like the inner monologue is going, this shirt does not look good. And inevitably, I always end up changing into another shirt. Yeah, I get outfits like that or articles of clothing that like I keep trying and it's not working. I don't feel like yellow is a guy's color. I would agree with that. Maybe like a mustard yellow. Yeah, like a faded, you know, almost kind of like starting to be brown. Yeah, like beige, you know, like that, you know, that color, you know, maybe. But yellow, like Cheerio box yellow. I don't feel like guys can pull that off. By the way, Cheerio box yellow should be a Crayola crayon color now that I hear it. Totally. Right. I mean, I don't know if they'd have to like pay to use the the name. You know, when it comes to things like that, like the using like brand names for things, yeah. you notice like a lot of times on TV shows, they'll they'll rename things like they'll rename packages, but it's like obviously a Snapple bottle, but it says something else on it. Yes. I think that the reason that they do that is because they want to be sponsored by people. So they're kind of saying like, oh, if you want your name out there, like you have to pay us. But at the same time, I feel like there are other instances where like you have to pay them to use their name. 
Yes, I would. I I would agree with that. Now, do you feel like Crayola blew all of its its uh, uh, money on this branding thing by Granny Smith Apple Green? Do you feel like they like you know that that brand of Apple is now like they can't afford Cheerios Yellow? <laughs> Who are they paying, Granny? Uh, granny. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure it's clear. It's the Granny. <laughs> Granny Smith. Yeah, I don't think Granny Smith is a brand, is it? Am I unaware of this? I, well, that's a good. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like it should be a brand. It should be. It's my favorite kind of apple. Is it really? Yeah. I find it way too tart. Oh, I like the tartness. That's like it's like better for a a pie, but it's not a, uh, you know, have an apple in the afternoon kind of a thing. Not not me. <laughs> What's an afternoon apple for you? A gala. Gala. Gala's good. I can respect that. Yeah, I like I like galas. Um, Honeycrisp. I like Honeycrisp. Yeah. Those are that's a good apple. How about Macintosh? No, see, I'm not. See, that's another pie apple for me. Red Delicious as well. Red Delicious is a. I uh, do not like Red Delicious. uh, There's no juice in it. No, it's like. like, I don't know. The the texture is like. I don't Very know how dry. to describe it, but it's bad. Yeah. That is a terrible brand apple. But I guess I like the pie apples. But I, I like them in pies and outside of pies. Okay. Yeah, I think there's just, there are pie apples and then there are snacking apples. Kind of mix them up. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, anyway, uh, you're uh, you're getting ready for a big trip. I am. Are you excited about this? London 2.0? Yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> the other night I go to Jimmy I'm like ah, I kind of wish that we were like not going for as long he's like what are you talking about I'm like I don't know I just I always always get like homesick before I go somewhere and once I'm there I'm fine and I'm not like pining to get back but it's just like it's like the anticipation before a trip I'm just like not not in a good mental space that's a that's a high anxiety like part for me too. Whenever we go on vacation, the day before, two days before, leading up to it, I'm very stressed. Yeah, I mean, I'm getting better because we travel so much, and I'm like, I'm aware of it, and I've there are things that I've been trying to do to like lessen that stress. But I don't know. I just I get this like homesick. Like last night, I'm like laying on the couch, and I'm just like. I'm so happy right now. Like I've got like, I've got my, you know, my phone and my cat and my blanket and my TV. And and I'm like, what's going to be better than this? Like, why am I leaving this situation to go somewhere else? Do you feel when you, when you know you're coming home from a vacation, are you excited about that? Or are you more depressed about leaving where you are? Uh, I used to be depressed about leaving where I was. And I think we, I may have talked about this on the podcast. I talked about this somewhere before until we moved here. And especially like now that we have our house um, I'm always excited to come home. I'm not like, like on those last days, I'm like, oh yes, like tomorrow's the day. But like when yeah. we get home, it's like, it's such a good feeling. I always feel like the house feels bigger when you come home after being away from it for so long. Doesn't Is it that feel weird? Do you no, feel that no, way too? totally. Yeah. Totally. Yes. I'm always just like, I was gone for a week and I picked up a couple <laughs> more square foot, like square feet. This is great. No, absolutely. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I can, I can definitely... I can definitely understand that. So now this is the second time in what? Just it's under Less a year, than a year right? yeah. Yeah. Okay. So like, are, are you hitting up some old favorites in London? Are you doing some new things? What's on the, what's on the agenda? Take us through the agenda. Uh, 
well, I'm not going to bring you through the day by day because there is, there's like a loose schedule because we have such a big group we're going with Jimmy's family this year. Um, but we're doing a lot of the, a lot of the things like I requested that we do were things that I enjoyed from the last trip. So we're seeing Hamilton again. That's like pretty high up on my list of things I'm excited about. Um, we're going to do another tea, which is like a, a London experience. Tea. I feel like that's a daily thing that you probably should be doing, right? I mean, isn't that like, well, it's is an everyday thing. It is an everyday thing, but like the, the London like tea experience is pretty much like you go somewhere, you get dressed up and they give you tea, but then they also give you champagne and dessert and lunch and you stay for like a couple hours. So it's kind of like a dream situation for me. I mean, that's a lot of my favorite things yeah. in one setting. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of like unique to London. I mean, I, I think they might do it like in like on cruise ships. I've never been on a cruise, but I, I feel like I've heard from people that they do it on cruises. So looking forward to that. And I'm, uh, I'm running a 5k while I'm there, <laughs> which is kind of like a random thing to do. What a terrible thing to do on a vacation <laughs> is to actually work out. Well, my sister-in-laws are both very like athletic and like when we were planning this trip there were times that the two of them made comments like insinuating that they weren't super excited about going here and um I was trying to think of something that would make them happy make them excited especially my sister-in-law Beth is like a runner so um I I found like a random race and like, hey, like, why don't we do this? And I've run a few 5Ks before. I think that they're really fun, even though I haven't uh, run in. I can't remember the last time I like went out for a run, but um, I think it, it should be fun. Knees up when you're running. Yes, you gotta keep your I knees know, up. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'll practice at the airport. Yeah. Get a couple of laps in. That was actually probably the last time I ran really hard was when we left last year, we had a connecting flight and like almost didn't make it to the, the big flight out, out to London. And man, I remember being so winded after running through the airport to try to get on that flight and like not recovering for like far too much time. Now I have not flown nearly as much as you have, but I can, that would render me like catatonic if that happened to me like i'm not good you in those kind of situations no, i know you would no. make it <laughs> i would be the one i would be the person like you see in the movies that like flags down the guy in the cart and be like it's just slip him a 20 and be like floor it <laughs> and what's funny is funny not funny is we we ran you know got on the plane out of breath and then didn't take off for probably I don't know, maybe 45 minutes after that, like they were still, I guess, waiting for other connecting flights and they just, they waited, but like no one, when we got off the other flight, no one's like, Hey, take your time. Like there was urgency. So I always feel like it's, you know, I hear stories from people when they talk about how <clears throat> planes have been delayed or they're on the plane and the plane's been sitting there for hours. And I always think about it in the, in the framework of if you go to a doctor's office and the doctor's running behind, you can clearly see how far behind they are running because the waiting room starts to fill up and it gets kind of crazy and you're, you know, but like when you're on the plane with, you know, 100, 200 other customers, you know, people like it's just you guys just sitting on the plane. Like you have no idea how bad things are getting, <laughs> yes. you know, but I feel like that's a big mind trick that the, that the airlines can play on you. Like they think it's just isolated to this plane, but boy, it must be brutal on the back end of that. 
air travel is like, it's really complicated. The more I fly, the more I'm seeing like how things affect each other. And I had a, a new airplane experience happen recently. I don't know if I told you about this or not, but this is like the last flight that I just took back from New York. So pretty recently we landed and like, as we landed in Jacksonville, like you can see there were like storms, storm clouds, lightning, like we kind of like just got in and we're like, yes, like this would have sucked if we had to like circle around this or, or whatever. And the pilot comes on and like, we don't taxi to the gate. The pilot's like, um, sorry guys, this airport has some rule in place that while there are storms in the area, we can't even approach the, he called it the ramp, but I guess it's like where you need to go in order to like deplane. <laughs> So it doesn't sound very experienced. No. So, I mean, maybe it's called the ramp. Maybe I'm not experienced. I don't know. But we sat on the tarmac for two hours after we landed. Yeah. Like I said, I, I was trying to see the positive in it. I'm like, I would much rather be on the ground waiting for two hours than circling. Mm -hmm. But it still sucked. Yeah, I don't think I would do very well with that. You don't really do well with flying in general. No, I mean, once I'm up there, you know, there's not much choice I have in the matter. But all the other things that could that could possibly go wrong, like the trip to Toronto, we were we were, you know, we were delayed a little bit here in Philadelphia. And I don't know why I said here. I'm not in Philadelphia, but we were delayed in Philadelphia. And um, when we finally were able to board the plane in Philadelphia, it wasn't like, you know, walk through. The, whatever the hell it's called, the tunnel or whatever it is, and then into the plane. Mm -hmm. I don't want to lose you in all these technical terms. Stay with me. Um, it was walk outside of the airport, go up this little makeshift rinky-dink staircase, and then into this giant plane. And it just, I mean, like, you never, that is not comfortable for me to be on this, like, makeshift staircase that, you know, is, like, wobbling as I'm walking up to it into this plane. Just, I was not, I was not doing good. Have you ever gotten on or off a plane outside? Yes, that's what I'm. That, that oh, was what this, I was so saying. this this was like it was outside of the airport. Like I had to like we had to board the plane with this little shit like staircase that they rolled up to the door. Yeah, that's walked in and then in Philly because I think we were behind schedule. No, in Albany because we were behind schedule, they didn't even have us pull up to the gate. They just stopped it somewhere out, you know, wherever, and pulled up one of those other staircases and down we went. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, for, not, not good for someone who's already not comfortable with flying like anything that's like a little bit off from what it's supposed to be. I can see being really panic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just asking people randomly. What was that? What was that? <laughs> What's that noise? So I'm guessing you've never sat in the the emergency exit row. What are your thoughts on sitting there? <laughs> Those people are very brave. <laughs> your and heroes. I thank, I thank them for sitting there. <laughs> thank you for your service. Yeah. Salute them when they when when I get off. They put no. anyone there though, like you know. Not everyone, <laughs> not well, anyone. Not, not you, not, but not like they they you don't they don't have to pass any kind of like physical or mental tests in order to sit there. All, you, all the only test you have to pass is when the flight attendant comes and says, "Are you willing to help people in the event and in the unlikely event of an evacuation?" And everyone's just everyone's like nodding with their headphones on. You're like, yeah, yeah. Depends what I'm being asked to do. Make sure everyone's trays in an upright position. Sure, I'll go around <laughs> and do that. <laughs> but other than that, no, I'm not doing that. I remember when we went to Chicago on a on a trip a couple of years back that um, 
they were telling us before we even got on the plane that um, they've overbooked the plane. The plane is too heavy. There's too much weight on the plane. And they're looking for people to volunteer to not go on it and take a later plane. And I'm just like, how is that even possible? <laughs> like, how is that possible? Overbook a plane. I, There's I, only so many seats on the plane. Right? I do not understand that either. For anyone listening to this who can give us like the background information on how planes get overbooked, please let us know. I feel like Keith would probably be the only person. Keith Steckler would probably yes. be the only person who could give us some background on that. He's our, our resident airport air travel Living, expert. Right. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was a new one for me. I was just dumbfounded. And those are the things that just set me off. Like, you know, I'm already nervous as it is before I get on. And then all of a sudden you're telling me my plane is, is, is you know, it's too heavy. That's not helping. I have been on flights before where they've, it's been too empty and they've said like, we need some people to like go to sit in different parts of the plane to like balance it out. And I'm like, what, like what, what happens if you don't get enough volunteers? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't always trust that they, that they have control of the situation, but I feel like the plane would just fly a little bit higher than it typically does. Right. It's lighter. So, yeah. you're able to, you know, right. That, it can't why be is that, that bad. A, yeah. A better view. I mean, what's wrong with that? <laughs> Uh, We've solved all these problems. Yes. That's it. <laughs> we figured it out. But you look really tan. You haven't flown anywhere, but have you been like out in the sun? In just one day, I, I was able to get my entire summer tan <laughs> for the year. Uh, I spent um, the better part of uh, yesterday at a, uh, at a uh, local uh, baseball camp. Oh. Um, shooting some video and... Um, uh, doing some some social media work. It's actually through my wife's uh, family, so it's a um, it's kind of a part of a big effort that they're looking to kind of grow into with this camp. Um, next year, they had had some um, low enrollment over the past four or five years, and they would typically do the camps um, every week for a stretch of five weeks. And this year they changed it up. They did it for three weeks, and they alternated weeks, and they saw this boost in enrollment. So in conversations that we've been having, it seemed like it would be a really good time to sort of kind of reinvigorate this camp that's been around for 25 years. And so I spent all day yesterday, uh, shooting video and, and orchestrating shots and, and, you know, a whole bunch of other things outside. And, um, we have some pretty good stuff coming up. So I'm excited about laying that out and putting that together and getting that going for them. And, um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And you got a, a tan of out of it. And I got a tan out of it. Yeah. But the, tell me more about this. Like, this is this is really exciting. Did you enjoy it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, it was great to be outside all day on a beautiful day, but it was also great to sort of kind of like, you know, script what this is going to look like. And, and, you know, I had my my vision for this this um, production kind of going into it. Um, we'll probably do some, you know, some smaller pieces of things. And I shot some some stuff strategically. So, um you know, we can use footage at different times throughout the year, but there's a, there's a, um, a, a few, I would say two to three pieces, uh, or two to three videos that I'm going to end up putting together. That will be kind of their promotional efforts as they get into, um, you know, when they start advertising for summer camp, usually in like late winter, or very early spring. Um, so I sort of storyboarded out what I wanted to do and how I wanted it to look and, um, yeah, got what I needed to get. And, um, 
you know, I'm, I'm excited about how this is going to come out. Plus, I mean, like, you know, you grow up, I grew up playing baseball, so it's very easy for me to think about, you know, to, to, to do a project like this, but it was also fun to think about this as a parent, like, you know, what, what do you want if, as a parent, you know, what are you looking for out of a, out of a potential summer camp? And, you know, obviously you're looking for a place where your kids are going to learn and they're going to have fun and they're going to feel safe. And I feel like those are all elements of what we'll try to hit on in these videos and showcase some of that. In addition to, you know, the fact that it's been around for 25 years, 28 years, whatever it is. Um, so it was a really fun, fun opportunity. There was actually, there was actually one point where they, um, they were doing some, it was a Friday. So they were doing some scrimmages at the end of the week between some teams and they usually kind of have a little bit of a lighter, um, schedule on Fridays. And, um, after this one, uh, scrimmage was over with, you know, the counselors, um, you know, would dump the ice bucket of water on, on some of the, on some of the campers. So we got some, some footage on that. So I got one which was, um, you know, perfect with the water kind of just like in the air. It was a still image of whatever it is. And then I was going to shoot another piece of it in slow-mo. And I don't know if I'm going to use this for anything or not, but it was just kind of fun to get it. So I mistimed the the um, hitting the slow-mo feature to um, to get what I wanted um, with the, the water coming out of the bucket and onto the kids. So all the kids kind of gathered around wanting to see what it looked like and I'm showing it to them and it came out fine. Like, you know, it was okay. But this one kid was not pleased that I missed the function of the slow-mo thing. And he just <laughs> looks at me and he's like, it helps if you wait five seconds, like, and then it'll come, you know, and I was just like, thanks. Some <laughs> punk kid. Nine-year-old kid. Telling you then, how to work technology. <laughs> but then that's kind of what it is, right? I mean, you know, they all knew a lot of the pieces of equipment that I had and they all kind of, you know, they were aware of different things that I was what I was doing. So they're very much in tune to, uh, to that sort of thing. So it was a fun project. I'm excited to start laying this out and putting it together and, um, seeing what this kind of turns into for them. Hopefully something, um, that's in line with what we were intending it to be. Awesome. You know, I get like so excited just hearing about side projects, passion projects. And I've been like thinking about this so much lately I've always, you know, I've always talked about like that we need to be doing creative things that are like separate from our work. Mm -hmm. But I feel like thinking that there needs to be even more of a divide than, I mean, for me anyway, like I shut down a lot of the things that I was doing at the beginning of this year, as far as like income streams go. And it's just kind of made me like rethink everything. And Anytime I sit down to do some like freelance work, which is just like design, it's easy. I think like I should be doing more of this because it's so easy. I'm really good at it. I don't have to think about it. And there is a demand for it. Um, and this kind of like flies in the face of a lot of the things that I teach about like, oh, like combine your passion and your, um, you know, and try to make money off of it. And I think that there's like a time and a place for that. But at the same time, it's like if you have a way to like make money and not have to think about it, like do that and then mm -hmm. like just take the pressure off of yourself to just play really because your your creativity gets so stunted when you have this like pressure on yourself to have to like perform or, you know, to, to support yourself. How common do you think that is? Because there's always this this pressure to, well, there's this perceived pressure to continue to grow and evolve and 
try this and incorporate that because that's what we're, you know, that's what you see on some of these digital channels. But it also kind of goes back to like, know what you're good at, know your strengths and, and, and double down on your strengths and whatever you're not strong at. Don't spend too much time thinking about that because you're taking it away from what you're good at. Yeah. And I think that, I, I don't know, maybe I'm misjudging this, but I feel like a lot of people in my audience are like trying to learn something new and make money from it at the same time. And that's like, just not really a recipe for success. There's like, there's so much pressure there. So I think it's great to be able to like, to learn new things, but like do that on the side. You can't have, you can't be under like scrutiny and pressure when you're doing things like that. How much do you feel like the, um, availability of all of these social networks and digital tools and, and marketing tools and things that we all have readily available to us that we might not have had 10, 15, 20 years ago, um, has caused us to sort of jump in without really having a plan and, and, you know, maybe becoming kind of lost as we're trying to build this, this thing. It's, do you feel like that's a reality? Um, yes and no. I feel like, yes, people are like, oh, you know, everything I need is out there so I can just jump into this. But then there are the other people who are like, I'm not ready for this. I can't do this because I don't have the resources that I need. I don't have the direction that I need. And to that, I'm always saying like, are you kidding me? Like, go on Google.com. Like everything that you need is there. Just search for it. Um, But yeah, I, I can see how too much information can be something that ends up taking away from people's success depending on Mm -hmm. what they define that to be i read an article a couple of weeks ago i think it was in the new yorker or no the times um and it was talking about podcasting and how it's becoming you know or how is podcasting the new blogging Mm -hmm. and but it was written in the framework of everyone jumped on the blogging bandwagon and then it sort of collapsed you know on itself and it's not really a um, a, po- a more popular means of doing things, although it's certainly effective today, um, as podcasting might be now. And I kind of had like two streams of thought at it. You know, one of them was that, cause this is a perfect example of what we're talking about here. Here's this medium that everybody has access to. We all have recording capabilities. Um, we all think we have thoughts and ideas and some of us really do. And some of us might not, but we, we still have the ability to put them out there much like we did with blogging. So we should be taking advantage of what's available to us, right? The market is what the market is, and we really can't do anything about that. You kind of go in that in that direction. Um, but the other thought was maybe there is some validity to that. You know, maybe we are kind of, you know, over flooding um, the market with these pieces of audio and what was this or what is this um, – growing, um, tool in audio, um, does it find itself kind of fading out in the next five years or so, or maybe less than that, because there's just so many things to listen to and so many things to consume that it's entirely impossible for someone to start in podcasting. Um, like we're kind of seeing with or like we saw with blogging or like we even saw with some, some social media presences when the Facebook craze, um, business page craze hit, uh, about 10 years ago or so. Yeah. I, from what I've been observing when it comes to podcasts are it's, 
the people who already have like really established brands and then come out with a podcast like those get really popular really fast but someone with no audience who's like trying to make it I mean especially if you're like trying to make money from it it's it's going to be a steep hill to climb yeah for sure and yeah. I am yeah I'm, I am curious to see like what happens with the popularity of, of podcasts I think as far as consumption goes it's going to continue to rise because I, I think that our behaviors our human behaviors are going to continue trending towards like not having time for anything need to be on the go and podcasting is perfect for that or listening to podcasts are perfect for that it yeah. like seamlessly fits in with your life but as far as like people continuing to start podcasts i can see that starting to decline yeah i saw a um i saw a tweet the other day i don't remember who sent that out I, I usually try to credit where i can but it said something like 2009 subscribe to my newsletter um 2000 and oh excuse me uh uh, 1999 subscribe to my newsletter 2009 um you know like my facebook page <laughs> 2019 subscribe to my newsletter because everything seems to kind of be like working backwards and it's cyclical and um you know i i i got a kick out of that but i think it also speaks to you know we see people sort of kind of drifting away from blogging but i do think that that's something that will end up coming around again when people start to get unless there's something else to substitute for it that people sort of get kind of tired of this this audio craze that exists right now i always love the thought of like there's something new coming and we don't know right. what it is yet right. like 10 years ago i mean podcasts did exist 10 years ago i feel like i started listening to podcasts like very i maybe not in like the first months or the first year but like i was a very early adopter to are you podcasts. calling yourself where you calling yourself the first podcast listener of all time uh no i mean and okay. i this is embarrassing, but I'll share it because I like, <laughs> now that I put myself out there, there needs to be some uh, self-deprecation. The first podcast I ever listened to was about the TV show, The O.C., which is also probably one of the first TV shows that I ever binge watched on DVDs on a on a portable <sighs> DVD player. My sisters and I would like, you know, three or four of us gather around it like on yeah. one of our beds and like binge this show <laughs> i remember those things it's so small the screen is so small <laughs> so small yeah but, think about this thing that like you know dvds are huge and yet like these portable things came out and they were like you know the size of my like pretty much might the, size have been the size of, my of your phone, phone right yeah. yeah right yeah yeah really the oc yeah who did the podcast it was like two guys okay I don't remember their names, sadly. Okay. I mean, this was, I remember listening to this at my desk at my first job. So we're talking about like 2006. Maybe this is why you got fired. <laughs> no, that wasn't <laughs> the one I got fired from. Oh, okay. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> that one I left. <laughs> uh, but kind of on this topic of, of technology and trends. It's not that this is really um, about a trend, but <laughs> tell you what I like about I can't. I know, I know, I know you. <laughs> I don't want. Yeah. It's a very famous Seinfeld joke about transitions, and it's just not appropriate for a podcast. Although there's not cursing in it, but it's just not appropriate. I don't feel comfortable saying. No, no. That, so we, you, moving on. You can't say anything. Right. Just, right. just don't say anything. Say anything. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, 
So I started writing my book, not the book that I've been talking about, but a book that I've had in my head. I decided to go fiction and I've talked, I've texted with you about this a little bit, but I haven't really like had a discussion with you about it, but it takes place or the, it's the story starts in 2001. So obviously like 9-11 is the big event from 2001. And I've been like doing a lot of research on that time period. And I found like two really cool articles through Medium, but, but does Medium have like a, like a sub site or like a sister site? Cause it was a site called like timeline or something like that. I'm not familiar You're, with it. Okay. I'll link up to it in the show notes. Okay. And one article was uh, screenshots. Actually, I think they were like motion. They must have been like screen recordings of what the internet looked like on mm-hmm. 9-11 um, and kind of like what all the headlines said. And it was really cool to like see that kind of like time capsule version of of the internet. But the one that really hit me hard was the second article, which was photographs of people witnessing the events of 9-11 and the thing that you notice right away is it's just people looking and gawking and no one's holding phones no one's taking videos of it no one's taking pictures of it and um, there was just like a little bit of text in in the article but it was saying like this is the last really big news event that we had in which people weren't documenting it people weren't they were just experiencing it Right. I was like, wow, like that was not, I mean, I guess it was a long time ago, but it feels like it wasn't that long ago. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's something that I'm going to be writing about in this story. I, I really want to highlight the really fast shift that happened between, between 2001 and 2000, like five, like when, you know, when Facebook came out, I feel like it was just like acceleration. Yeah. And maybe it's still doing that. Maybe I'm just making it a story and I guess I have to. But I mean, I think about like when I first started college in 2001, I had a cell phone, but like none of my friends at school had cell phones and like we didn't have cameras on them. And we, I think there was texting, but like texting wasn't what texting is now. Like AIM <laughs> and I guess AOL were like, the old school right way of texting i remember being in high school when it happened and, and calling home on the pay phone in the high school that's and, wild and like because my dad would typically go down to new york for certain um things he was a courier after he retired but he did not have to go down that day so he was he was either home or he was wherever he was but he i remember just using the pay phone for that but no that's it's it's so true um first of all awesome like so cool that you're writing a book like that is that is really really cool and 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 best of luck and congratulations on that thank you um but to the point that you made i often wonder like what goes through whether it's just how our society is like it's ubiquitous that something some something is happening in front of you whatever that something is and it's natural to take out your phone and document it because it seems still for me, and maybe this is because I'm on the outer age range of that being normal, or maybe I'm in the age range of it being normal and I just don't do it. It just seems so foreign to me to 
if something's happening in front of me to take out my phone and record it for the sake of uploading it to social and showing people what's going on. Like when there is a, um, a shooter in a mall and you see footage that CNN runs or, you know, whomever of, you know, a, 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 a innocent bystander in a store hiding, recording it from their, like it would be the last thing on my mind to do that. And yet it's just so normal for people to want to document these things for sake of showing people, telling people, I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's a real reason for the person doing it other than they want attention for it in the moment. I'm sure no one's thinking about that at the time, but it's really incredible. Like Michael Scott with the, wasn't he like grather, gathering up gravel from, oh, the, yeah. from the day when the Scranton Strangler was yeah. apprehended? Tell my grandkids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I love documenting things. I think we differ in that way, but. Yes. Well, in, I don't in, know if we differ. A, You're a... just good at it. Like, I don't <laughs> think to do it. You know, I, I think if I put my, my, like, if my mind was thinking that way, I'm sure I'd be fine with it. It just doesn't go that way. But Sometimes I look at my camera roll on my phone, like, and, and I have friends who have, you know, kids, you know, like I have Ryan and, um, I look at my camera roll. I'm like, wow, I haven't taken a photo of him in like two weeks. And like, you know, but other people are taking 20, 30 a day and it's just, you know, I don't know. I just, my mind doesn't always go that way, despite being in a field that is made for that sort of a thing. But I think when it comes to your kids and I'm not. I'm not judging anyone. What are you trying Everyone's, to say, Michelle? Everyone is different. No, but I think that there's probably a really positive part of that, that you don't have two weeks worth of photos because it means that you're just like hanging out with him and spending time together and not worrying about yeah, in the moment, taking right. pictures and you know taking the next step to like show, show, how, show off how cute he is. He's very cute. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, yeah, I think that's a, a really interesting angle to to kind of be exploring. Like I always look at 9-11 as like the birthplace of the scroll on the bottom of the screen because it I don't ever remember it pre 9-11. Um, I remember it vividly that night. Now, I'm sure there were things that scrolled, but it wasn't a prevalent part of TV consumption. And now it's on every news station, every sports station. It's just an additional way to you know, keep you up to date, informed and whatever. And I always feel like the first time I remember seeing that was the the night of 9-11. It's really weird that you said that because I have this memory and who knows if this is like actually happened on this day or this is just the story that I've been telling myself. But AIM, AOL Instant Messenger, used to have a news ticker at the top of it. And maybe it was like one of those things that you could like toggle it, you could turn it on or off. But I feel like I remember in my mind, it was like the morning of 9-11 before I left for class, seeing that ticker and thinking like, why do I even have this up here? Or why do I ever even look at this? Because nothing ever happens. Mm. And then 9-11 happened. And, you know, like I said, whether it was like that day or like that week, it doesn't really matter. But it's just, you know, I, I'm not someone who was really directly affected by those events. Like I didn't, I didn't lose anyone. Thank God that was close to me or anything like that. I wasn't in the city that day, but it's still something that like, I think about so much. Um, and I feel like when you, when you look at history and you, you see all the things like culturally that changed after that, 
mm-hmm. like it did. It affected all of us. It did. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I have more to say on writing. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> this book, uh, not having to do with the subject matter, but having to do with the act of writing. And this ties back to what we were talking about earlier with you working on this like side project. I feel like this has been a story that's been in my head for like a long time, like too long. And as soon as I started outlining and like writing character profiles and actually like starting to write, it felt like the most natural thing in the world. There was no like judgment. Like there was no like internal judgment. Like you're not good enough to do this. Like who do you think you are writing? It felt like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And I think a lot of that comes from the fact that it's just me deciding to do it. Like there's no, I don't feel like there's anything to live up to. And I feel like when it's a story that you care about, characters that you care about, or, you know, whatever the subject matter is, whatever your creative project is, like you really fall in love with it. I mean, I feel like, I feel like I am in love. I am in love with this, like, process I'm in love with like I'm thinking about about it when I go to sleep at night and like I'm excited to like get on my laptop every day and like put some time into it and I know I'm sounding like a broken record but we need to do more things like this not you know this is my thing for right now in this season of my life but like find what that thing is for you have you felt this way before um not any time in like recent memory. Um, a little bit when we started the podcast. I mean, <laughs> that it, faded quickly. <laughs> no, no, no. And it's still like every time we we work on it, every time we um, publish anything, or like when you're sending me like little clips of videos that you're creating, I like I get some of that. Like it's it's exciting to be working on something that's just like we're calling all the shots, and we're right. we're playing around and saying like you know like what do you think of this or like even just picking like what music to use. And I really, I know that there are people who listen to this and thank you guys so much for that. But I really feel like it's, that's a bonus that it's the way I see it anyway, is it's like, it's more for us just to be able to play. So talk to me about this feeling a little bit more. I mean, <laughs> I, I want to know, I like, I'm, I'm, I'm actually really interested by this because I'm not sure I've felt this way for a while. I mean, the podcast for sure. Um, but a, an actual passion project, something that, you know, you've been obviously talking about wanting to do for a while. We've talked about it a lot, how you want to be, you know, your dream is to write, um, something. I know we've talked about a, you know, a sitcom or whatnot, but you know, like this is a big, this is a big step. So like, what's this fulfillment feel like? I'm going to get back to that in a second, but I feel like I have to say this before I forget. I really feel like I have you and the podcast or this, at least the podcast platform to thank for me actually like pulling the trigger on this because it wasn't something that I feel like I ever really said publicly, maybe not even to like, you know, close family or friends that I had this desire to write. And I feel like you kind of kept bringing it up. You're like, Hey, you know how like you, you secretly want to be a TV writer. And like the more we talk about it and then, you know, I'm like seeing clips that we're putting up and like, I just feel like the more I was exposed to it, the more 
I guess normal it felt like all right like it doesn't feel like this is like that far out there of an idea like so many random people are are authors and writers but um I don't know I guess the feeling is just I think I just like I waited so long and I thought about it so much and I think it's probably just like the culmination of those two things that make it feel so fun and you know, I'm also like, I'm, I'm at the beginning of this. So none of it feels like work. None of it feels like pressure. Mm-hmm. So that's an element too. But um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what else to say on it. Yeah. Well, maybe we can just do like, you know, provide some updates along the way on how things might be going. Or maybe that's too much pressure until no, we get no, to the point I, where you... No, I would love to do that. I mean, and that's that's like part of it. You know, like, that's why I kind of like use the analogy of like being in love because it's like, it's like all I want to talk about. Like I've been talking to my sisters a lot about it lately and just like, and yesterday I was texting with them and just kind of like giving them like the brief synopsis of it and just like getting so excited to get the opportunity to even like talk about it. But at the same time feeling like I have no idea, like I'm so green at this. I don't know. And maybe there is not a right or wrong, but like when someone sits down to like write something I feel like there are people who are like I'm not telling anything like you wait till the book comes out and then you can like read it or people who are like sharing things along the way but yeah I I would love to continue to update people on the process and continue to encourage people to find whatever it is for them and maybe like when you were yesterday when you were like shooting footage and even like the work that you did beforehand did you kind of like imagine yourself doing more of it? Uh, it's something that I've enjoyed doing when I've done it before. Um, you know, I'm not, you know, um, I'm not saying that it's not something that I've thought about wanting to do more of and invest more time in. Um, but I actually get enjoyment out of, you know, in a perfect world, you're the one kind of looking at the strategy of what you're trying to, you know, the strategy for the, the, you know, organization, company, whatever that you're working for. Um, and you have someone to kind of help shoot the video and, and, and work with them. But when you're, you know, kind of pitching yourself individually, you sort of take some of this stuff on, on your own, at least early on. And, um, at least that's how I've been approaching it. But there's something really cool about, you know, my brain works always in in stories. So, you know, when I'm thinking about how I want these things to kind of look, there's very much a storytelling approach to the strategy that I'm thinking of. Um, You know, I want things to have um, some emotion to it. I want things to have some kind of drive to it. I mean, we are we are talking about baseball camp here. We're not talking about something that. you know, we're not talking about ballet or we're not talking about, you know, there's this, there's a different feel to it. So like, there's gotta be some camaraderie. There's gotta be some, some, you know, um, excitement. Um, but you also have to remember that you're showing this, the audience for this ideally is parents. So there has to be that level of talking in the video. And I was able to get this from, um, you know, um, the the um run the, the guy who runs runs the camp to talk about you know and, and while he's addressing the kids talking about you know you know your safety is important to us and you know like so there's different things so my 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 vision is to have 
his entire address to the campers yesterday morning as sort of the the audio that'll run throughout the video and he might be on camera for part of it but we'll also have footage over the top of it and he'll be the narration throughout the course of the video what he's saying to the kids and then everything else that we're going to put in there will match up to what he's saying um and we have some really you know there's some really good footage that i felt like we were able to capture yesterday so i'm excited about kind of laying that out but no i i, I do i i really do feel that um that's something that i feel most most in control over when i'm doing um which i think is a feeling to some extent that i'm i've been i've been looking for for a while um, not saying that it has to be my way. I just feel in control of what I'm doing. Yeah, because then you know that the execution and the final product are how you envisioned it, and it's not being influenced by outside forces because that kind of like in some ways can ruin it. Right. I mean, collaboration is important, and 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 listening and working towards the common goal is always the the the, the idea. Um, you know, for me, it has never been about it's it's got to be this way. I really enjoy working collaboratively with people um, when we all have, you know, a level of respect for one another, because once that's identified, moving forward is never an issue. Going somewhere, talking, having difficult conversations, it's never a problem. Um, and I've worked hard in my career to establish that with with some of the people I get to work with every day. But it's really nice to when you're doing something on your own after you're done sort of talking to, to um, you know, the people you're working for and having the vision kind of set and they go, yeah, that sounds great. Then you feel like you can kind of just confidently take that step and then start to have some fun with it and um, you know, build this, this masterpiece of sorts that uh, you can really be proud of. I love how much you love the process. Like I can really like, I can hear it in your voice anytime you you talk about the work that's put in. You're proud of the final product, but if anything, like you're more proud of the the beginning steps. I so love discussing strategy. <laughs> um, it is by far far and away the thing I enjoy the most um, in the process. You know, I had I knew yesterday that um, Rachel had had come to the camp in the afternoon and I knew yesterday that I wanted to get a shot in, in part of the open. I have an idea of where, where kind of how I want to string some things together. And one of the shots is having the counselors there walking out onto the field. And I knew I wanted to get them in slow motion walking out onto the field. So I wasn't able to get it in the morning because they have things that they need to get done. So I grabbed them all at the end of it and I said, like, here, okay, here's what we're going to do. You're going to walk over my left shoulder this way. You know, we're going to stagger the approach a little bit. But I know exactly where I want to put that in the order of the video or, or in the order of the of the shots. And and it's probably on, they're only going to be on camera for about three and a half seconds, four seconds max. Like it's not going to be a long time. But you know that that's an integral part because they are the ones running this camp. People need to see who they are, but also that, you know, they take this seriously. And, you know, so you're you're thinking about imagery. You're thinking about what that imagery means. Um, and sometimes, you know, you can kind of get lost in that. Am I overthinking this? Am I am I am I making the assumption that this is going to be something that, you know, a parent's going to look at this and it's going to just kind of gloss right over them and they're going to move on to something else. That's always a risk that you take. But, you know, I keep coming back to what, what you know, if I'm a parent, what do I want to feel? 
from from watching this if I'm making a decision about sending my son to a baseball camp or my daughter to, you know, whatever, whatever summer camp. Um, I want to make sure that they're going to be taken care of. I want to make sure that they're going to have fun. I want to make sure that they're going to feel safe um, and be safe um, and that they're going to get a good experience. I feel like those are all things that, you know, when you're safe, when you're putting this together, that you're aiming to sort of show through your imagery. You know, I, you know how I think I'm like, I'm, you're describing that scene and I'm, I'm picturing you like with like a director's hat on and like, I need you over here. I need these lights, like there was a <laughs> on a soundstage. <laughs> I wanted to have them. I wanted to have those counselors that that scene I was just telling you about having them walk onto the field. I, I wanted them to have, um, I wanted to, I, I needed to set up the shot, but because it was the afternoon and the sun had completely moved into another direction, I had to have them change where they were coming from. So the sun was in their face as they're walking out because you want them naturally lit. Mm-hmm. So like we, 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 we started to line it up and I was just like, nope, this isn't going to work. We got to go over <laughs> like, so you're just like, you know, and it's awkward because there's seven, you know, seven or eight, whatever they are, you know, 20, 23, 24, 25, 30 or whatever in that range. And like, you're dragging them all over the place and they've just worked their, their tails off for an entire week in 90 degree weather. And you know, the last thing they probably want to do is be getting dragged around a baseball field, being told how to walk onto a field. But uh, I think it'll work out OK. Um, they seem to get a kick out of it, too, when we when we um, when I had played it back for them. So that's you know, that makes it makes you feel good that they were willing to work with you and help you out. We, we, we mocked up some scenes to kind of get some hands on coaching and things like that. And I think it'll come out well. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to work on that. That you just answered my next question, or partially anyway. I was going to ask, like, how you prepared for it. Like, did you storyboard? Did you just like write a couple post-its, or was it always, all in your head? I always start with a goal. So you know, it's a it's an overarching goal, which is to get people to come to this camp. If you're thinking big picture, that the the, the goal is to deliver um, a high quality experience, or you know, where where kids can learn and grow and get better at. At, at baseball. Now I can't do everything that's going to be possible to do that. Obviously that's inherent on the counselors, but for me, I can certainly show part of that in some of my work. Um, so it starts with that. And then you start to kind of drill down. You want to make sure that, you know, what you're putting together is going to help ultimately boost enrollment. Um, so that's certainly a short term objective that you can measure. You could see what the numbers from last year were to this year and helping them kind of determine that. Um, but from the visual standpoint, it, it really did start with, you know, what do you want parents to feel from this? And then what kind of shots can I show that will leave them with that feeling? So, you know, we, we put a, an emphasis on, um, on coaching, you know, on, on camaraderie between the, the, the counselors and, and the campers camaraderie between the campers, um, you know, um, and then you can kind of get a little bit creative with certain imagery that you're getting, whether or not they're doing, you know, stretching and relays and, you know, you get a kid, you know, dancing as everyone else is stretching. And, you know, so it shows a little bit more lightheartedness to the camp. It's not a boot camp per se. Um, so that was sort of the vision kind of coming into it that you wanted to make sure that you that you were able to to get. And then I think it also, you know, we, we talked specifically before uh, a couple of days before I went there about, you know, how this, um, counselor was going to address the entire camp and, um, the things he was going to say and the words he was going to sort of hit on because those were sort of the, the things that we wanted to make sure, you know, came through 
in the video. Um, and, and he did a great job at that yesterday. And, um, and hopefully it comes out, hopefully it comes out good. I'm sure it will. Will will we get to see it? Yeah. Yeah, of course. My goal is to try to get it done in the next week or so. I mean, I don't think they're going to end up using it until, you know, March, April, Mm -hmm. late February, March next year. But, um, but my goal is to try to get it banged out over the next week or so. So, um, or at least parts of other ones too. So we'll, we'll have something for sure. Cool. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. So did we finish the complete? I feel like I want to go back to, to, to England for a second. Okay. Did we, did we finish the itinerary, right? We're doing Hamilton. We're doing high tea with a Mr. Newman. Yes. What else are we, what else are we doing with the 5k uh, to work off all the scones? 5K. Right, right, right. Uh, My goal is to really just, your goal is to just come back at the same weight that you left yes. Jacksonville. At. Okay. Yes. Right. That's right. always the vacation plan, but we do, we're like big walkers. Like we rarely, I mean, we'll right, take you got a beach in your backyard, I think. Right. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, not, yeah, the, not the actual backyard, but right. close enough. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when we're traveling, like Jimmy and I always like prefer to like walk over, you know, subway or, you know, we, we Uber when we need to, but walk to subway. No, like two meaning like, um, walking or taking the subway or walking oh, okay. or doing I thought you an meant Uber. like walking to subway, the restaurant. Like No, 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 no. That's not on the agenda. Getting a five. Not that there's football. anything wrong with subway. Subway's awesome, but that's not. Yeah. Good save. <laughs> Was I about to get a lecture? You're wearing one of the two main Subway colors today. Clearly, they're sponsoring us. Do you remember when Subway's branding was like kind of like sepia tone imagery mm-hmm. of like, like, is it maybe like early 1900s? Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. like, I remember those like the, the old Subway before the whole then, five dollar foot long thing, they were probably more expensive back then. And then they had this like you know they they got the green and yellow, mm-hmm. which is also Blimpies, I believe, um, colors as well. Love this a good Blimpy. Well, <laughs> this is something that I've always wondered about food um, chains. Like, so Subway is 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 I believe they're they're green and yellow. Mm-hmm. Um, Blimpy is I believe green and yellow. I think so. I feel like every um, frozen yogurt place that exists is like hot pink and yes. lime green. Yes. Right. That's so what's like, coming to mind. What is like, why? Like, why are those the preferred colors of some of these places? Like what makes hot pink and lime green, like sweet frog or, um, you know, uh, uh, uh what's the other one? Um, 16 handles. That's, that's a popular mm-hmm. one. Like what makes hot pink and green, the color for frozen yogurt and what makes green and bur- and green and yellow sandwich identifying. You're asking the graphic designer who took color theory, but I don't have an answer for you. <laughs> this seems like a really good like test case to me. Like what makes this, you know, clearly they have to be getting it from somewhere that, you know, some, some test case or something like that, some focus group that this is the preferred color combo. Have you ever been part of a focus group? No, no, my, I feel like I I would, I feel like it would be a lot like jury duty. I would do whatever I can to get out of the focus group. If I was asked to be in a focus group, I could see you being very opinionated in one. Not that I've never like done one before, but my sister-in-laws have been like doing them and like, cause you can like make money from it. They're both teachers. They have like time over the summer and yeah, it's, it's kind of like, it's interesting to hear their stories about it. Now, 
are you able to say what they were they were doing? Like, yeah, I mean, okay, it's not a gag order like jury duty, right? Where you can't. No, talk no, no. About the case. I mean, okay. I don't know if they can talk about it or not, but I don't. I don't think they're going to track it back to this. And and the stories that they told me were like when they were here visiting in the spring. So I'm sure that those those things are over. But one of them was like trying like different kinds of like flavored tuna fish, which don't go putting. You're like tuna has enough flavor in it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then one of them was like a hair, some kind of like hair tool, like a curler, fluffer thing. I don't know. (laughs) Speaking of losing people in the technical terms. Yeah, I I don't know. Fluffer. (laughs) I don't know what the actual tool was, but some kind of volumizing tool for your hair. Yeah, I mean, maybe it would be interesting to serve on a on a on a focus group or be in a focus group. I, I could know. just I could see you in one. Yeah, yeah, I have a lot of opinions on things. Yeah, exactly. You know how I make those interesting comments whenever we talk about you know things. I could see That's, you kind of like I being would, like a like a foreman of the test group. Yeah, I just watched Twelve Angry Men a couple of nights ago. Like and the I like definitely... with um Henry Fonda. Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely connected with the foreman who was always trying to just get people to move along because (laughs) we're wasting our time talking about this. So let's just vote. Yeah. Yeah. That would be me. Yeah. I love the guy. I don't know his name. I don't remember the actor's name, but I love the guy, the character. So he plays the role where he's got the baseball tickets and he wants to get to the Yankee game that night. And he's just like, like, he's like, (laughs) not, he's, he's guilty. He's guilty. He's guilty. And then all of a sudden he's just like, not guilty, whatever. I just want to get out of here. (laughs) That's my guy. like that guy Uh, it's very relatable yeah 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 so it would be cool to do that but i don't know i've always thought about that going back to the you know ice or frozen yogurt and sandwiches and whatever interested by that maybe someone in our audience could also provide us with an answer to that so we the the, the two big listening the, the two big questions number one it had something to do with flying but i don't remember what the question was what was the the oh the weight how much how much weight you could put on a plane or oh, why no, no. I know what it was it was the um how can you overbook a plane yes okay how does that's that happen? one and then the second one is why are pink and green the preferred colors of frozen yogurt sure let's just shops. let's not try to solve all the color questions right extra not credit sandwiches. would be subway and blimpy specifically if you want to go that it seems like the yogurt one is making you curious yeah when was the last time you went to a blimpy um, I can't remember like an exact time, but I know that I used to, <laughs> it's embarrassing in the, you've, I mean, you've been to the Palisade Center before. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there was a blimpy in the Palisade Center and, um, I feel like I got them a lot, like in high school. And there was even a time where we would like get them and like bring them into the movie theater. <laughs> And I'm laughing because like Elaine makes that comment that like, what do you think? They have like big picnic tables in there. Like you don't bring food into the movies. Like you don't bring meals into the movies. Yeah. yeah. But you did. But I you did. You bucked the trend. Yeah. yeah. How about you? When was the last time you had Blimpy? I'm not sure I've ever had Blimpy. You've never had Blimpy? No. Does it still exist? I believe so. Okay. It's I haven't heard that it hasn't. I mean... I'm a deli guy. I'm not really like a. True. I'll go Spoken to a, like sub, a, a sandwich. Yorker. Right. Yeah. I also I just, haven't had Subway in in years. 
but yeah, I just had a sandwich from from the deli uh, yesterday, and I was talking to Rachel about it, and uh, it was the sandwich. Uh, the deli was in her her hometown growing up, and I was just like, how did? Because her family doesn't go to this place, and I actually really enjoy this deli, and I'm just like, how does your how do they not go there more often? I'm like, everything is really good, and she's like, my mom's not really a sandwich person. I was just like, oh my god, that's all we grew up with. It was soup and sandwich, or sandwich and chips, or this, and that's all we ate were sandwiches from deli. So, like the thought of of a Subway or Mister Sub, or I don't do that very often. I'm not saying I don't, but I don't do it very often. Yeah, same. I I, I prefer to get them from delis. Here, it's that's a little tougher. But how are the delis in Jacksonville? Yeah, they're not great. Mm. But my saving grace is our our pizza place, which is I'm convinced Tony's. is like Tony's, which is like yeah. sent from heaven. They, when we go, when anyone goes in there, they hand you like a piece of bruschetta. But if they like you, they just start making you random stuff that like you don't order. And um, quite often there, are, this is like the most delicious sandwich in the world. It's like focaccia. And every, like, all of their bread products are, like, unbelievable. Like, New York quality and beyond. The, their, like, main chef guy lived in, like, this town that pretty much, like, invented focaccia bread. So he's, like, he knows what he's doing. And he's Where really was, good like, at it. But it was in, like, America, Italy? In Italy. So, um... There's a Netflix documentary called like Salt. I'm going to mix, yeah. mix the words up. That one, Salt, Fat, yeah. Acid, Heat. Yeah. And it's the town is profiled in that documentary and he used to live there. So he makes like amazing bread, amazing dough and these sandwiches that they make for us and just like sometimes they'll just give us like kind of like little mini ones and sometimes they'll give us like a full sandwich and we're like eating it while we're waiting for our food and we're like all right well we're not gonna eat our food now but they're they're amazing and they've kind of like adopted us so mm. i'm very grateful for that 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 gets my like my new york sandwich fix um, well, don't tell them you've, you've eaten the blimpies they might no they it's, might it's, kick been, you out. it's been a long time <laughs> uh let's go to go to you mentioned chips and it triggered something that i I wanted to bring up. We're really hitting on all deli today, aren't we? Um, well, this isn't really deli related. I was just oh. at Target getting some snacks for my flight, and um, I saw your your sweet potato chips, and I almost I just had them for lunch today. I almost bought them. Did you say that you like the unsalted ones, though? Yes. Yeah. Why? Because it tastes. <laughs> it's it's. Salt belongs on a potato chip, like an actual potato chip, but a sweet potato, I'm not a fan of it being salty. I feel like sweet potatoes need to be true to their taste, which is more of a sweeter taste. So I would not put salt on a sweet potato chip. Unsalted, not ruffled either. Unsalted sweet potatoes from Terra Chips. Do you ever get sweet potato fries? Yes. Do you get those unsalted? Uh, they might come with some salt, but I also don't put them in ketchup. I get so that. So they retain Sweet, the... Because it's, it's, it's like too much... Yep. How about an aioli? Uh, if it's offered. If it's <laughs> offered, but I probably still wouldn't do it. It, it. There's enough There's enough natural juice, I think, in the sweet... Like when you make a baked sweet potato, 
Mm-hmm. Now, some people put them in the oven. That's fine. I, I actually, I microwave when I make a baked potato or a sweet potato. Ten sec or ten minutes, flip it. Ten minutes. But there's enough natural sweetness to it that I don't even think about putting butter in there. There's enough juice I, I that, that's that, in yeah. there that you don't have to like. So I think the combination of putting something saltier on that, while I'm not opposed to sweet and salty, I think sweet potatoes straight up are fine. Well, I thought about getting them, but. I didn't pull the trigger. And also they didn't have, they didn't have the unsalted. They only had salted. So I felt like I I wouldn't be able to like report back like a true, and I've definitely had sweet potato chips before. I don't know necessarily that, that I've had that brand, but yeah, I remember telling my mom about these chips a number, a couple of years ago, and then maybe one summer vacation that we went down there to visit them. Like she was just like, I bought those chips. I'm like, Oh great. (laughs) And I went into the cabinet and they were like the ruffled with salt. And I was just like, Oh, did it wrong. Oh, I can't have these. Yeah. So just had to play it up for a couple of days that I wasn't in the mood for them. <laughs> can't break her heart. Just say not in the mood for them. Uh, so what did make the cut then if my chips didn't make the cut? Okay. Now, this is – I was trying not to get too much because trying to pack light, but I still – it's a long flight. They give you lots of food, but I like to have my snacks anyway. So I went with Stacy's Pita Chips the plain ones. I like the cinnamon sugar, but it would have been like too sweet with the other thing that I got, which is peanut butter M&Ms. Those are my two purchases. So they balanced each other out. Yeah. So you bring snacks on the plane. You're not having any of the snacks that they're giving you. Oh, no, I eat those too. Oh, okay. Okay. You got to have, it's like an eight hour flight. You got to have backups. I mean, the situation that I got into where I sat on the tarmac for two hours they weren't coming around with snacks or drinks like they came with water. But like you got to be prepared for those situations where you might did be you, like. Did you blow through your snacks? It was like it was pretty late when we got in. So I wasn't starving, but I had blown through my snacks by the time we landed. <laughs> like you're you're talking about being prepared. And then it was just like one minor one minor issue on the plane and all of a sudden snacks are gone it's yeah. every man for himself <laughs> but for, i'm i got pretty big i got like for the peanut butter m&ms i got like the share this size but i don't plan on sharing it so i think i'll be covered does jimmy come with his own snacks uh he requested that i get a giant bag of skittles for him he went a okay. different route okay and he had he had doritos here at the house already so he's those are his two snacks that he's bringing in his bag Nice. What would be your picks? Uh, I've never taken a flight long enough to have to worry about bringing snacks of my own on there that the airport, uh, the airplane doesn't provide. Uh, I think when I went out to California and Mexico, they came around a couple of times with different things, which is enough to, you know, get me, get me through. Um, I don't know. I'm a pretzels person anyway, so I probably would just bring more pretzels. It's it's you know I'm not a Doritos. I mean I like I can eat a Dorito, but you know then they get kind of messy and I don't really yeah, want yeah. orange fingers. I, I'm not you know. I agree. I don't think it's a good choice for a plane. And I'm not a candy person. I don't eat a lot of candy, so I don't think that would be like I'm not getting Reeses or M and M's or anything like that. So I, I would probably stick to like pretzels. Um, you know, I do like a good Ritz cracker every now and then. So maybe mm-hmm. like the mini Ritzes with cheese or peanut butter. I can do that. That's enough. That's a solid. lot of times when I'm in the airport, I just stop for, I grab like a banana and, 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 you know, that's, you know, 
I Gary V'd at one time trying to catch a plane in Chicago. We had to move pretty quickly to catch our connector flight, although not nearly as quickly as you had to. No. That you told your story, but I just like smashed this banana into my <laughs> mouth and kept through the peel at the garbage. Were you I was Snapchatting running. while you were running? Right. Yeah, yeah. Nobody eats a banana like I do. <laughs> I met somebody who brags more about eating a banana. Chill, homie. Monkeys can do it. <laughs> He really doubles down on his strengths. He does. Yeah, he's not afraid to do that. I like how he brought this full circle. Yes. If you've enjoyed this episode, help us spread the word on social media. Tag us at pod for creatives and let us know what stood out to you. I wanted to go back to the Granny Smith thing with the apples, but that's... You can go back to it. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because it wouldn't. It didn't fit anywhere else in the, in the conversation. What more do you have to say about the Granny Smith apple? Just Granny Smith, like if so, if, if if Granny Smith was a brand, like they're clearly only hitting people who like terrible apples, right? So they know they're they're. You said you like them in pie. Well, but every apple in a pie tastes the same. So why not just put all the bad ones in the pie? You won't know. They're all so you taste good. in the apple pie are are like mushed apples and cinnamon. I don't get so, it though. You like other tart things, like you like like citrus drinks. I do like citrus, but I like drinks. Apples. You know, it's a whole, there's a crunch and it's, you know, you get that like that face when you bite into a tart apple. I don't, you know, that's not really worth it for me. But Granny Smith, like if that was a brand, they would know their audience, right? It's it's like, you know, it's it, they're not, they don't care about the people who like good, sweet apples. Like they care about just, you know. So what's their campaign? Because <laughs> you're not painting the Granny Smith apple fan in a very good light right now. Right. Well, I picture, but I think there's a reason why their their the name of their brand is Granny Smith because, like, you know, <laughs> it's for like old people who <laughs> like terrible apples. <laughs> Crotchety, old, crabby about stuff. You're not getting hired stuff. to work on this campaign anytime <laughs> soon. Smith will not be calling for any help. <laughs> <laughs>